Chapter 6 of the Book of Werewolves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Zaza. The Book of Werewolves by Sabine Beringold. Chapter 6. A Chapter of Horrors. Pierre Bourgeot and Michel Verdun. The Hermit of St. Bonneau. The Gandillon family. Thieven Paget. The Tailor of Chalon. Roulet. In December 1521, the Inquisitor-General for the Diocese of Besançon, Boin by name, heard a case of a sufficiently terrible nature to produce a profound sensation of alarm in the neighborhood. Two men were under accusation of witchcraft and cannibalism. Their names were Pierre Bourgeot, or Peter the Great, as the people had nicknamed him from his stature, and Michel Verdun. Peter had not been long under trial before he volunteered a full confession of his crimes. It amounted to this. About nineteen years before, on the occasion of a New Year's market at Poligny, a terrible storm had broken over the country, and among other mischiefs done by it was the scattering of Pierre's flock. In vain, said the prisoner, did I labor in company with other peasants to find the sheep and bring them together. I went everywhere in search of them. Then there rode up three black horsemen, and the last said to me, whither away you seem to be in trouble i related to him my misfortune with my flock he bade me pluck up my spirits and promised that his master would henceforth take charge of and protect my flock if i would only rely upon him he told me as well that i should find my strayed sheep very shortly and he promised to provide me with money we agreed to meet again in four or five days my flock i soon found collected together at my second meeting i learned of the stranger that he was a servant of the devil I forswore God and Our Lady and all saints and dwellers in paradise. I renounced Christianity, kissed his left hand, which was black and ice-cold as that of a corpse. Then I fell on my knees and gave in my allegiance to Satan. I remained in the service of the devil for two years, and never entered a church before the end of Mass, or at all events till the holy water had been sprinkled according to the desire of my master, whose name I afterwards learned was Moisette. All anxiety about my flock was removed, for the devil had undertaken to protect it and to keep off the wolves. This freedom from care, however, made me begin to tire of the devil's service, and I recommenced my attendance at church till I was brought back into obedience to the evil one by Michel Verdun, when I renewed my compact on the understanding that I should be supplied with money. In a wood near chastel Chernon, we met with many others whom I did not recognize. We danced, and each had in his or her hand a green taper with a blue flame. Still under the delusion that I should obtain money, Michel persuaded me to move with the greatest celerity, and in order to do this, after I had stripped myself, he smeared me with a salve, and I believed myself then to be transformed into a wolf. I was at first somewhat horrified at my four wolf's feet, and the fur with which I was covered all at once but I found that I could now travel with the speed of the wind. This could not have taken place without the help of our powerful master who was present during our excursion, though I did not perceive him till I had recovered my human form. Michel did the same as myself. When we had been one or two hours in this condition of metamorphosis, Michel smeared us again, and quick as thought we resumed our human forms. The salve was given us by our masters. To me it was given by Moiset, to Michel by his own master, Guimain. Pierre declared that he felt no exhaustion after his excursions, though the judge inquired particularly whether he felt that prostration after his unusual exertion, of which witches usually complained. 
Indeed, the exhaustion consequent on a werewolf raid was so great that the lycanthropist was often confined to his bed for days, and could hardly move hand or foot, much in the same way as the berserker and ham-rammer in the north were utterly prostrated after their fit had left them. In one of his werewolf runs, Pierre fell upon a boy of six or seven years old with his teeth intending to rend and devour him, but the lad screamed so loud that he was obliged to beat a retreat to his clothes and smear himself again in order to recover his form and escape detection. He and Michel, however, one day tore to pieces a woman as she was gathering peas, and a Monsieur de Chunet, who came to her rescue, was attacked by them and killed. On another occasion they fell upon a little girl of four years old and ate her up with the exception of one arm. Michel thought the flesh most delicious. Another girl was strangled by them and her blood lapped up. Of a third they ate merely a portion of the stomach. One evening at dusk Pierre leaped over a garden wall and came upon a little maiden of nine years old, engaged upon the weeding of the garden beds. She fell on her knees and entreated Pierre to spare her, but he snapped the neck and left a corpse lying among her flowers. On this occasion he does not seem to have been in his wolf's shape. He fell upon a goat which he found in the field of Pierre Le Rougeon, and bit it in the throat, but he killed it with a knife. Michel was transformed in his clothes into a wolf, but Pierre was obliged to strip, and the metamorphosis could not take place with him unless he were stark naked. He was unable to account for the manner in which the hair vanished when he recovered his natural condition. The statements of Pierre Bourgeot were fully corroborated by Michel Verdun. Towards the close of the autumn of 1573, the peasants of the neighborhood of Dole in Franche-Comté were authorized by the court of parliament at Dole to hunt down the werewolves which infested the country. The authorization was as follows. According to the advertisement made to the sovereign court of parliament at Dole, that in the territories of Espagny, Salvange, Courchapon, and the neighboring villages has often been seen and met for some time past a werewolf who, it is said, has already seized and carried off several little children, so that they have not been seen since, and since he has attacked and done injury in the country to some horsemen, who kept him off only with great difficulty and danger to their persons. The said court, desiring to prevent any great danger, has permitted and does permit those who are abiding or dwelling in the said places and others, notwithstanding all edicts concerning the chase, to assemble with pikes, halberts, arquebuses, and sticks to chase and to pursue the said werewolf in every place where they may find or seize him, to tie and to kill without incurring any pains or penalties. Given at the meeting of the said court on the 13th day of the month September 1573. It was some time, however, before the loup-garou was caught. In a retired spot near Amange, half shrouded in trees, stood a small hovel of the rudest construction. Its roof was of turf and its walls were blotched with lichen. The garden to this cot was run to waste, and the fence round it broken through. As the hovel was far from any road, and was only reached by a path over moorland and through forest, it was seldom visited, and the couple who lived in it were not such as would make many friends. The man, Gilles Garnier, was a sombre, ill-looking fellow, who walked in a stooping attitude, and whose pale face, livid complexion, and deep-set eyes under a pair of coarse and bushy brows, which met across the forehead, were sufficient to repel any one from seeking his acquaintance. Gilles seldom spoke, and when he did it was in the broadest patois of his country. His long grey beard and retiring habits procured for him the name of the Hermit of Saint-Bonon. 
though no one for a moment attributed to him any extraordinary amount of sanctity. The hermit does not seem to have been suspected for some time, but one day, as some of the peasants of Chastenoy were returning home from their work through the forest, the screams of a child and the deep baying of a wolf attracted their notice, and on running in the direction whence the cries sounded, they found a little girl defending herself against a monstrous creature which was attacking her tooth and nail, and had already wounded her severely in five places. As the peasants came up, the creature fled on all fours into the gloom of the thicket, it was so dark that it could not be identified with certainty, and whilst some affirmed that it was a wolf, others thought they had recognized the features of the hermit. This took place on the 8th November. On the 14th, a little boy of 10 years old was missing, who had been last seen at a short distance from the gates of Dull. The hermit of saint Bonneau was now seized and brought to trial at Dull, when the following evidence was extracted from him and his wife, and substantiated in many particulars by witnesses. On the last day of Michaelmas, under the form of a wolf, at a mile from Dull, in the farm of Gorges, a vineyard belonging to Chastenoy, near the wood of La Serre, Gilles Garnier had attacked a little maiden of ten or twelve years old, and had slain her with his teeth and claws. He had then drawn her into the wood, stripped her, gnawed the flesh from her legs and arms, and had enjoyed his meal so much that, inspired with conjugal affection, he had brought some of the flesh home for his wife Apolline. Eight days after the Feast of All Saints, again in the form of a werewolf, he had seized another girl near the meadowland of La Poupe on the territory of Athum and Chastenoy, and was on the point of slaying and devouring her when three persons came up and he was compelled to escape. On the fourteenth day after All Saints, also as a wolf, he had attacked a boy of ten years old a mile from Dull between Grédissant and Menotte, and had strangled him. On that occasion he had eaten all the flesh of his legs and arms, and had also devoured a great part of the belly. One of the legs he had rent completely from the trunk with his fangs. On the Friday before the last feast of St. Bartholomew, he had seized a boy of twelve or thirteen under a large pear tree near the wood of the village Perouse, and had drawn him into the thicket and killed him, intending to eat him as he had eaten the other children. But the approach of men hindered him from fulfilling his intention. The boy was, however, quite dead, and the men who came up declared that Gilles appeared as a man and not as a wolf. The hermit of St. Bonneau was sentenced to be dragged to the place of public execution and there to be burned alive, a sentence which was rigorously carried out. In this instance, the poor maniac fully believed that actual transformation into a wolf took place. He was apparently perfectly reasonable on other points and quite conscious of the acts he had committed. We come now to a more remarkable circumstance, the affliction of a whole family with the same form of insanity. Our information is derived from Boguet's Discours de Sorcier, 1603-1610. Pernette Gandillon was a poor girl in the Jura, who in 1598 ran about the country on all fours in the belief that she was a wolf. One day, as she was ranging the country in a fit of lycanthropic madness, she came upon two children who were plucking wild strawberries. Filled with a sudden passion for blood, she flew at the little girl and would have brought her down, had not her brother, a lad of four years old, defended her lustily with a knife. Pernet, however, wrenched the weapon from his tiny hand, flung him down, and gashed his throat so that he died of the wound. Pernet was torn to pieces by the people in their rage and horror. Directly after, Pierre, the brother of Pernet Gandillon, was accused of witchcraft. He was charged with having led children to the Sabbath, having made hail, 
and having run about the country in the form of a wolf. The transformation was effected by means of a salve which he had received from the devil. He had on one occasion assumed the form of a hare, but usually he appeared as a wolf, and his skin became covered with shaggy gray hair. He readily acknowledged that the charges brought against him were well founded, and he allowed that he had, during the period of his transformation, fallen on and devoured both beasts and human beings. When he desired to recover his true form, he rolled himself in the dewy grass. His son Georges asserted that he had also been anointed with the salve and had gone to the Sabbath in the shape of a wolf. According to his own testimony, he had fallen upon two goats in one of his expeditions. One Maundy Thursday night, he had laid for three hours in his bed in a cataleptic state, and at the end of that time had sprung out of bed. During this period, he had been in the form of a wolf to the witch's Sabbath. His sister Antoinette confessed that she had made hail, and that she had sold herself to the devil who had appeared to her in the shape of a black he-goat. She had been to the Sabbath on several occasions. Pierre and Georges in prison behaved as maniacs, running on all fours about their cells and howling dismally. Their faces, arms, and legs were frightfully scarred with the wounds they had received from dogs when they had been on their raids. Boguet accounts for the transformation not taking place by the fact of their not having the necessary salves by them. All three, Pierre, Georges, and Antoinette, were hung and burned. Thierven Paget, who was a witch of the most unmistakable character, was also frequently changed into a she-wolf, according to her own confession, in which state she had often accompanied the devil over hill and dale, slaying cattle, and falling on and devouring children. The same thing may be said of Clauda Isan Prost, a lame woman, Clauda Isan Guillaume, and Isan Roquet, who owned to the murder of five children. On the 14th of December in the same year as the execution of the Gandillon family, 1598, a tailor of Chalon was sentenced to the flames by the Parliament of Paris for lycanthropy. This wretched man had decoyed children into his shop or attacked them in the gloaming while they strayed in the woods, had torn them with his teeth and killed them after which he seems calmly to have dressed their flesh as ordinary meat and to have eaten it with great relish. The number of little innocents whom he destroyed is unknown. A whole cask full of bones was discovered in his house. The man was perfectly hardened, and the details of his trial were so full of horrors and abominations of all kinds that the judges ordered the documents to be burned. Again in 1598, a year memorable in the annals of lycanthropy, a trial took place in Angers, the details of which are very terrible. In a wild and unfrequented spot near Caude, some countrymen came one day upon the corpse of a boy of fifteen, horribly mutilated and bespattered with blood. As the men approached, two wolves which had been rending the body bounded away into the thicket. The men gave chase immediately, following their bloody tracks till they lost them, when suddenly crouching among the bushes, his teeth chattering with fear, they found a man half-naked, with long hair and beard, and with his hands dyed in blood. His nails were long as claws, and were clotted with fresh gore and shreds of human flesh. This is one of the most puzzling and peculiar cases which come under our notice. The wretched man, whose name was Roulet, of his own accord stated that he had fallen upon the lad and had killed him by smothering him, and that he had been prevented from devouring the body completely by the arrival of men on the spot. Roulet proved on investigation to be a beggar from house to house, in the most abject state of poverty. His companions in mendicity were his brother John and his cousin Julien. He had been given lodging out of charity in a neighboring village, but before his apprehension he had been absent for eight days. 
Before the judges, Roulet acknowledged that he was able to transform himself into a wolf by means of a salve which his parents had given him. When questioned about the two wolves which had been seen leaving the corpse, he said that he knew perfectly well who they were, for they were his companions, Jean and Julia, who possessed the same secret as himself. He was shown the clothes he had worn on the day of his seizure, and he recognized them immediately. He described the boy whom he had murdered, gave the date correctly, indicated the precise spot where the deed had been done, and recognized the father of the boy as the man who had first run up when the screams of the lad had been heard. In prison, Roulet behaved like an idiot. When seized, his belly was distended and hard. In prison, he drank one evening a whole pailful of water and from that moment refused to eat or drink. His parents on inquiry proved to be respectable and pious people, and they proved that his brother John and his cousin Julien had been engaged at a distance on the day of Roulet's apprehension. "'What is your name and what your estate?' asked the judge, Pierre Herault. My name is Jacques Roulet, my age thirty-five. I am poor and a mendicant. What are you accused of having done? Of being a thief, of having offended God. My parents gave me an ointment. I do not know its composition. When rubbed with this ointment, do you become a wolf? No, but for all that, I killed and ate the child Cornier. I was a wolf. Were you dressed as a wolf? I was dressed as I am now. I had my hands and my face bloody because I had been eating the flesh of the said child. Do your hands and feet become paws of a wolf? Yes, they do. Does your head become like that of a wolf? Your mouth become larger? I do not know how my head was at the time. I used my teeth. My head was as it is today. I have wounded and eaten many other little children. I have also been to the Sabbath. The lieutenant criminel sentenced Roulet to death. He, however, appealed to the Parliament at Paris, and this decided that as there was more folly in the poor idiot than malice and witchcraft, his sentence of death should be commuted to two years' imprisonment in a madhouse, that he might be instructed in the knowledge of God, whom he had forgotten in his utter poverty. End of chapter 6. Recording by Kristen Zaza, Toronto, Ontario.